the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hello, and welcome to In the Word, a ministry of Calvary Chapel of Orlando. We hope that God speaks to you today as we continue our study verse by verse, chapter by chapter through the Bible with Senior Pastor Will Ramirez. Today, as we continue with our study in the book of Judges, Samson begins to fight against the Philistines, not to free Israel, but to satisfy his thirst for personal vengeance. We'll pick it up in Judges chapter 15, verse 1. The title of the message is, Going Your Own Way. Judges 15, Judges 15. When we last left Samson, he had killed 30 Philistines to pay off his gambling debt, and then he had abandoned his new wife because of her betrayal. Despite a wonderful upbringing and knowing God's plan for his life, Samson has acted as if he's an ordinary guy with no special plan for his life. But here's the truth. When it concerns God's master plan, he will get his way whether we go along or not. Pharaoh is one of the best examples of this. God had a plan for Pharaoh's life. Pharaoh didn't want to go along, and God still got his way. And while Samson continues to make his life only about himself, God is going to use him to bring his conflict with the Philistines to the forefront. So chapter 15, we begin in verse 1. Verse 1 starts off with that transitional word, but. But it came to pass within a while after. And so we need to go back to what happened before to know what the but is there for. This is in opposition to what we find at the end of verse 19, where it says that Samson's anger was kindled and he left. He decides to leave his wife. His anger was kindled and he went up to his father's house. So what happens when we get to verse 1 of chapter 15? Well, the anger wore off after a few months. You know, it's interesting. According to a 2016 study conducted by a UK law firm, 44% of divorced participants believed that divorce was the wrong choice for their marriage. That's an incredibly high number. 54% experienced second thoughts, and 42% considered giving the relationship another try. Listen, There's a reason that we tolerate behavior from strangers, but we throw patience out the window with those who are closest to us, whether it's a spouse or a family member or a friend. Emotions cloud our reasoning abilities. Bitterness and unforgiveness add extra weight to someone's actions towards us. And selfish expectations of what we think we deserve hardens our hearts. You know, If I stop for a moment and talk to the Lord about my thoughts and emotions, rather than let them run amok about how angry I am and how they've treated me unfairly, 
I will make better decisions. I promise you, you will make better decisions regarding those who are closest to you. One of the things that we try to teach people when we're in premarital counseling, and and then we have to teach people in marriage counseling, is sin will happen in your marriage. You are going to get hurt. You're going to be hurt. You're going to be sinned against because you are choosing to marry a sinner. Now, certainly, if you are not safe in your marriage, you need to get somewhere safe. That's not my point. If you're not physically safe, you need to get somewhere physically safe. But that is not the case with Samson here. And this is not the case all too often when people come in my office and they say our marriage isn't working. Samson was angry and hurt at her betrayal. And his pride was bruised from losing the bet. He's thinking, how do I show my face here again? My own wife, you know, she, she puts others in front of me and, and I've been completely, all my plans were foiled out in front of everyone. How can I show my face back in this type of a life again? Oh, the dangers of self-righteous pride. Oh, the destruction that can be wrought by bitterness and a refusal to forgive. I've watched the most trivial things destroy a marriage, but I have also seen even the worst betrayals healed by spouses who are willing to forgive and by couples who are willing to listen to the help that God's word gives by a willingness to repent. Now, sadly, when we're here in verse one, Samson hasn't repented. He's just lonely. For it says, but it came to pass within a while after, in the time of wheat harvest, that Samson visited his wife with a kid. He's not repented, he's just lonely. So he goes to the market and he buys the ancient Hebrew equivalent of some flowers, hoping to charm his way back into her arms. And he arrives to a massive disappointment. For when he gets there, he said, I will go into my wife into the chamber. You know, cue the, uh, you know, music in the background, you know, dim the lights. I got my nice goat here, honey. I'm ready to come back, you know. He thinks everything is going to be fine, but it's a massive disappointment. For it says her father would not suffer him to go in. And her father said, I verily thought that you had utterly hated her. I thought you were done, man. Therefore, I gave her to your companion. One of the 30 men he had lost the bet to. Gave her to one of your best men. Now, since Samson had legally paid for the man's daughter, or more appropriately, Samson's parents had legally paid for the man's daughter, the the bride price, this father could not just, his father-in-law couldn't just turn him away. He'd have to refund Samson that money or give Samson another daughter to marry. And he opts for that uh, option. He says, is not her younger sister fair, more beautiful than she? Take her, I pray you, instead of her. But because Samson hasn't repented, he justifies a plan now to get back at the Philistines for this new betrayal. Verse 3, and Samson said concerning them, he holds all the Philistines responsible for this. Now shall I be more blameless than the Philistines, though I do them a displeasure. Samson decides, you know what? I'm going to get revenge for this. You know, I already got my revenge for my wife betraying me and these guys, you know, getting her to betray me. I'm, I'm going I'm to get them back again. When he says, now shall I be more blameless, it means more innocent. Samson knows he's not innocent in what he's about to do, but he says, I will be more innocent than the Philistines, 
though I do them a displeasure, the word there means a disaster, a hardship, or I bring them ruin. You know, I chuckled when I read this because I thought to myself, you know, the way we justify behavior hasn't changed much in 3,000 years, has it? Hasn't changed much at all. Samson doesn't claim innocence. He knows leaving his wife was wrong, but he claims more innocence. I'm okay to do something wrong here because I'm more innocent than all of them. And can I share with you an important secret in marriage, an important principle in marriage? As long as you treat your marriage, or really any relationship, as a balance scale, that relationship, that marriage is doomed for trouble. I will always, always, I will always, and you will feel this way about yourself too, I will always believe that I've done more of a share than the other person. Why? Because I give myself the benefit of the doubt. I have good reasons for my failures. My situation's unique. I have special challenges. What they did was really, really wrong. Biblical marriage is not 50-50. Biblical marriage is not 50. They give 50%, I give 50%. You do your part and I'll do mine. That is not the Bible's definition of marriage. Biblical marriage is me doing my part, whether my spouse is doing theirs or not. That is biblical marriage. And the only way I can do that is if I love and serve my spouse as unto the Lord. What does it mean to do it as unto the Lord? Well, Lord, you've done your part. You've never failed me. And this is what you're asking me to do in regards to my wife or in regards to my husband. So I'm going to do this as unto you because you've always done your part. You've always been faithful. You have never failed. You've never done me wrong. And therefore, I owe you my obedience. I owe you my commitment. I owe you my faithfulness. And I will give it to you. I will give it to my spouse as unto you. That's the only way you can do marriage. Now, of course, it's wonderful when everyone's doing their part and it's all gussy and warm and feeling and everything's great. But it's not always like that. And sometimes sin, very wounding sin, occurs. Listen, if you're not willing to love and serve your spouse as unto the Lord, then stop dating. If you're not willing to do that, you're not married yet, you're not willing to do that, then stop dating people because you're not ready for marriage. You're not ready for marriage. If you're not ready to enter into that type of relationship, stop dating because you don't understand what it's about. Now, There is no unto the Lord going on here for Samson. This is all unto himself. And so Samson went, verse 4, and he caught 300 foxes, and he took firebrands, torches. And he turned tail to tail, and he put a firebrand in the midst between the two tails. So he tied the two foxes' tails together. The word here for foxes is actually jackals. And uh, you might be saying, 300 jackals? How did he do that? Well, jackals move in packs of up to 200 And they were found in large quantities in Gaza before the 1900s. Things started to change when people started moving into Israel in mass and technology came in. You won't find them running around in packs like that anymore. But they were still found in large quantities in Gaza, the area where Samson is right now, just before the 1900s. Now, you might be saying 300 foxes, that's that's a lot. That's a lot of foxes, Pastor Will. I mean, how's one man going to do that? Well, this would have taken some time. And it also would have taken somewhere to store the animals because he didn't do it all at once. We don't know exactly how Samson did it, 
But when he unveils his plan for them, it is absolutely devastating. He ties their tails together with a torch in between. Verse 5, and when he had set the torches on fire, well, of course, that's going to send the foxes into a frenzy. And so he finally, wherever he had them, uh, he let them go into the standing corn. So this is the, the grain stalks out in the field of the Philistines. And, but it didn't just burn up those. They were running everywhere, and it burnt up the shocks. This was the harvested grain stacks that they had already gotten. It also burned up the standing corn with all the vineyards and the olives. In other words, all of the Philistines' crops in that area of Timnath were destroyed, absolutely destroyed. Now, I don't know about you, but I was thinking, why does Samson do this instead of getting back at his wife's family? Why does he do this to the Philistines of their village, their city? Well, the reason is, is because Samson perceived this as a racial slight. He perceived that they were doing this to him because he was an Israeli, that we're their masters, you know? We don't have to play by the rules with them. We don't have to honor marriage agreements or anything else. Samson, of course, forgetting that he left his wife. But the idea is he perceives this as a racial slight. And so while Samson did indeed take it personally, we'll see in a moment that God uses it for his purposes. Now, we had a lot of questions about Samson saying, how could God use a guy when he's doing all these wrong things? Well, God will even use the anger of a human being, the unrighteous anger of a human being to bring about his purposes. And that's what he's doing with Samson here. For God is seeking to bring about conflict between Israel and the Philistines so he can deliver them from the Philistines. And Samson was his object of choice to bring that about. Now, Samson doesn't want to do God's plan, but God is still going to have his way. So look at what happens now, the Philistines' response. Verse 6, then the Philistines said, who has done this when all their crops are destroyed? Who did this? And other Philistines in the area answered and said, well, it was Samson, the son-in-law of the Timnite, because he had taken his wife and given her to his companion. And so the Philistines came up and they burnt her and her father with fire. Despite what the father-in-law had done, most Philistines considered Samson the legal husband. That's interesting. So Samson is probably not wrong about being treated differently because he was an Israeli. And the Philistines decide to punish that entire family for it. They burn her and her father with fire. Now, isn't it interesting that that's the fate she sought to avoid by betraying her husband, right? That's the fate she sought to avoid because they threatened her, saying, if you don't tell us the solution for the riddle, we'll burn you and your family's house with fire. And that's exactly what ends up happening to her. It's a sad lesson to us of what can happen when we take matters into our own hands trying to fix things instead of doing what God says. And you're saying, Pastor Will, this is what's going to happen to me if I don't do what God says? Not likely. Not likely. In fact, you might actually think you're getting away with it at first. She thought she did. But my point is, this is a sad lesson to us of what can happen. And do we really want to play those odds of taking our lives into our own hands when we don't have the ability to protect ourselves like God can protect us? I'd much rather trust the Lord, do things his way, and trust his ability to keep me safe. Now, the Philistines seem to be doing this to avoid a larger conflict with the Israelis. 
But Samson sees it as another injustice done to him. Verse 7. And Samson said unto them, Though you have done this, yet will I be avenged of you, and then after that I will cease. <laughs> you got to love Samson here because he's like, uh, many fights that have occurred in my life. You don't get to have the last word. I do. That's what the word cease means. Oh, no, no, no. You don't get to have the last word on this. I do. I will call an end to hostilities here. Can I exhort you? Don't be that person. Do you know how many times I've been in an argument with my wife and I've thought, ooh, I can say something right now. And I immediately think to myself, and what good is that going to do? Thankfully, over the years, I've learned the lesson to think before I speak and to go, is it really worth it to get the last shot in their will to be a jerk, but make you feel better because you got to say your piece? You know, I've much rather liked watching the Lord heal a situation than escalating it. And at some point, it's okay to turn the other cheek. In fact, early on, it's okay to turn the other cheek. Someone has to, or things will keep escalating. Now, I do have a question. Why would Samson stop with the, regarding the Philistines when God has raised him up to drive the Philistines out of the land? Isn't that his very existence? Uh, isn't his very existence for that purpose? Isn't that why he exists? See, sadly, this is the problem with Samson. God wants to do so much through him, but he remains petty and selfish in his outlook. It's all about him. He doesn't want to lay his life down for his nation. He doesn't want to lead his people. He doesn't want to drive out the Philistines. He doesn't want to fulfill his calling. And so in verse 8, it says, He smote them hip and thigh with a great slaughter, and then he went down and dwelt in the top of the rock Etam. Now, hip and thigh is a Hebrew idiom for one after another. We do not know how many he killed here, but these are not soldiers. This is just a, you know, this is a mob of regular people that have burned his, his wife and his, and his father-in-law. Uh, these are not soldiers. And Samson, one after another, just kills them all. Now, Samson isn't a trained soldier, but he does have supernatural help. And so he goes in there expecting God's going to give him the ability to do this, and he has his way with them. But when he's done, this is not a conflict that he's trying to start with the Philistines to deliver Israel. No. From there, when he's all done, it says he went down and dwelt in the top of the rock, Etam. The top of a rock means a cleft in a cliff. When Samson's done, he goes and lives in a cave because now he has nowhere to go. To return to his Israeli family would implicate them. His Philistine family is all dead. So he ends up living in a cave all alone. You know, another sad lesson here. Samson also failed to get what he wanted when he pursued this Philistine girl in disobedience to God's word. Another lesson of what can happen when we don't do things God's way. Now, while Samson has nothing to show for his actions, God is still using Samson to forward his plan. Look at verse 9. Then the Philistines went up, and they pitched in Judah and spread themselves in Lehi. This time, it is armed soldiers. This time, they come and they pitch their tents, their war tents, in Judah, Israeli land, 
and they are going, they're bringing an army up to fight if they don't get their way. Now, Lehi is an interesting place. It's near Beth Shemesh, which is one of the cities that overlooks the Valley of the Philistines. But it's a little bit farther south than where Samson lived. It's not in Dan. It is in Judah. Now, perhaps the Philistines thought that Samson's tribe would protect their own. So they're thinking to themselves, we're not here to fight. We just want Samson. And so, verse 10, and the men of Judah said, why are you come up against us? We're serving you. We're honoring the agreement when you conquered us. Why are you here with an army? And they answered, they're not here to fight. We are here to bind Samson. To bind Samson are we come up to do to him as he has done to us. They're here to arrest Samson so they can kill him for what he's done. Things have escalated, haven't they? Samson may may have wanted to just keep this personal but he doesn't get to live to himself when it concerns God's plan. None of us do. No one lives to themselves. I don't, you don't, no one does. Now, what's sad is that people create the illusion that they do live unto themselves. Oftentimes when I talk to people about the Lord, they will say that. They say, well, I don't really worship any God. I don't really serve a God. I don't need to do that. I live for me. You know, I live my my own way. And Samson, in a sense, is trying to do that. But no one gets to do that. You don't control enough to even think you can claim to do that. None of us do. So we're deceiving ourselves when we claim, I'm going to go my own way. I'm going to do my own thing. I live unto myself. You know, and the New Testament says, whether we live, we live unto the Lord. Whether we die, we die unto the Lord. That's it. God is going to get his way. So it's much better to bend the knee and to bow down. Now, rather than risk war, which is what God wants, Judah agrees to bring Samson in. There's no leader, no one to say, hey, I'm the one God's raising up. There's a reason for this. God's stirring up the Philistines so we can fight them and we can win. That's what every other judge did. But there's no leader right now. Samson's not doing his job. So Judah remains in that defeated mindset and they agreed to bring Samson in. Verse 11, then 3,000 men of Judah went up to the top of the rock Etam, and they said to Samson, do you not know that the Philistines are rulers over us? What is this that you have done unto us? Now, I don't know about you, but 3,000 men seems a little bit overkill to me. Uh, That's a lot to arrest one man. Perhaps news has been spreading that Samson wasn't someone to be messed with. So they come up to him and, and they ask him a question. Um, do you not know that the Philistines are rulers over us? What is this that you have done to us? Uh, Let me translate this for you. Do you not know what the Philistines have done to us? Are you stupid? That's literally what the Hebrews asking. Are are you stupid? Like, Like, we got an arrangement with them. Life is not great, but it's better than it could be. Are you stupid? Are you so dumb and only thinking about yourself that you're gonna pull this nonsense? As a result, now we're gonna end up going to war. Now this would be the perfect opportunity for Samson to announce the purpose of his existence to Israel, to finally get in line with God's plan. For him to stand up and say, what do you mean there are rulers? Didn't you cry out to God for help? Didn't you destroy your idols? God has sent me to change all this. It's time to fight the Philistines. It's time to trust God for our deliverance. Samson had so many other judges who'd gone before him and said those very words. But how does Samson respond here? 
Look at what he says. And he said unto them, as they did unto me, so have I done unto them. Tit for tat. I was just taking care of my own personal business. doesn't involve the nation. All I did was pay them back for what they did to me, and now leave me alone. It's still all about him. Still selfish and proud. Still not willing to be the leader God called him to be. Well, they're not just going to leave him alone. They have a big problem now, and he's at the center of it. Verse 12. And they said unto him, We have come down here to bind you, that we may deliver you into the hand of the Philistines. Samson, whatever you claim doesn't matter. We don't want to lose another war. So we're arresting you and taking you to the Philistines. Now, I don't know if that shocked Samson. I don't know if he's expecting that. His response is interesting, though. And Samson said unto them, Swear unto me that you will not fall upon me yourselves, that you won't attack me yourselves. Whatever happens, I'll let you tie me up, but you swear unto me, promise that you won't attack me. And they spoke unto him, saying, No, but we will bind you fast and securely, and we will deliver you into their hand. There's no, we're not, you're not going to convince us otherwise, but surely we will not kill you. We agree to that. And so Samson goes along with it, and they bound him with two new cords and brought him up from the rock. Now, the Bible gives us no clue into what Samson is thinking here. However, it is clear that Samson really believed that he was indestructible as it regards anything he would do to the Philistines. This has been In the Word with Pastor Will Ramirez, a ministry of Calvary Chapel of Orlando. You can listen to all of Pastor Will's sermons and find other valuable resources online at www.calvarychapelorlando.com or on the Calvary Chapel Orlando app, available on iTunes and Google Play. If you have any spiritual or physical needs, please contact us. We would love to pray for you and assist you in any way we can. You can reach us at 407-523-0800 during our office hours, Tuesday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. Thank you for joining us today. We will see you next time as we continue to learn, walk, and live in the Word. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.